welcome to the One Interview by Night podcast, where we talk to the people who make the One World by Night uh, LARP network happen. And tonight we have Caroline as my guest. Caroline, could you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Caroline. Um, I am the uh, documents coordinator, and um, I'm very excited and interested to see how all of this works. And um, would love to be able to share um, a little bit about my position as well as myself and what we do for the organization as a whole from an administrative backside, back point. <laughs> All right. So actually, why don't you start by telling us about what your position in the org does? So Team Documents focuses uh, mostly on packets and documentation that revolves around the org as a whole. So any kinds of situations where we need to clarify certain pieces of information or even condense down information that is spread across all of these many, many books that we have when it comes to World of Darkness to kind of put specific pieces of information that people have questions about or things that need clarification within the organization to be able to find it all in one place. Essentially making things a little bit more accessible for everyone to be able to read, research, or use for any of their games or their characters. Great. I'm actually also on the documents team, so I know everything you do. You're one of us, of course. Yeah, no, I love being on the documents team. It's great because I get to see how all of the the guts of the packets come together because everyone in the org uses the packets. Mm -hmm. We have so many different working pieces that are involved in that. We have a lot of people on the team to make sure that everything works as quickly and as smoothly as possible. Not only is it just making the packets. We have people who are, um, who have degrees in writing as well as English and literature, things that focus on making sure that our grammar is correct and we're not looking at redundancies or um, making sure that things are cross-referenced essentially to make sure that, hey, this information looks to be about correct. Uh, You have some information that is kind of conflicting based on this book versus another. Are you sure you want to use this information? Hey, we caught some information here that we don't use in the org anymore per our bylaws or anything of that nature. Then it goes on to uh, the rest of the process. So ultimately it starts with the coordinators who wants to push forward making a packet and, uh, we kind of help them as that intermediary to make sure it looks as good as it possibly can. Yeah, no, uh, the the team does such great work on the packets. And I love seeing, like, since the documents team started, which hasn't been that long. Nope, we've been around for about three, four years, give or take. Not very long. (laughs) And seeing that now the packets have far more consistency than they had before when it was just the individual coordinators working on them. Yeah, that was a big thing when we initially started. Marion was the first documents coordinator. Uh, she is now currently the Anarch coordinator. She and I have been working together pretty pretty closely because she and I were the uh, graphic designers, the ones who were actually making the packets look pretty while everyone else on the team was making sure that everything was consistent, everything 
read properly and kept everything moving as smoothly as possible. So we're like the back ends, so to speak. We're the last stop, I suppose you could even say. And our biggest focus when Marianne first started Documents Team, she worked with me very closely as well as um, one or two other people that had a lot of experience in an administrative back sort of situation that we really wanted to focus on making sure that everything was consistent, accessible. And when I say accessible, not just being able to go into the Obi-Wan websites to be able to download and read everything, but to make sure that any of our players, any of our fellow organization members are able to read them as well. Because we do have a lot of folks within the organization who have uh, uh, dyslexia or um, have difficulties with their eyes being able to read things properly where letters get smashed together. Making sure that those fonts are as legible as possible for the really the core information that everyone needs. So like the big headings, like they're big. You can read them for the most part, unless we get some kind of feedback telling us that "Mm, we can't quite read this. Okay. It's easy enough for us to do to change that. Besides that, making sure that everything was pretty distinctive, but also consistent at the same time when it came to layout was our biggest hurdle initially when Mary and I were going back and forth to figure out where exactly those layouts would look, where the margins would be, when we would be using tabs, how big of the font we wanted to use based on which kind of font we were using. I'm throwing a lot of technical terms at you guys. Um, So I won't bore you with any more of those unless you know what some of those things are. It's, it's not really that important, but it's important to us to make sure that that consistency stays and that legibility and accessibility continues on and forward. So Marianne and I worked very hard to make sure that we had a template that we could work with. And we have also recently brought on some people from Team Brazil to make sure that we were able to have people who are on the team who could speak both English and Portuguese to make sure that we could at least start including our Brazilian players a little bit more consistently so that they had access to those packets in their in their native language. So yeah. we, we, it, it took us a little bit to find some, to find some people for that uh, because right. the time zone difference is difficult to say right. in the least. So for anyone who's listening, who's not part of Obi-Wan yet, we have a large contingent of games that take place in Brazil. So all of our publications need to be in both English and Portuguese Yep. And we were lucky enough to be able to, through our networking, to be able to reach out to um, someone down in Brazil who was within the org, who, like myself and Marion, are professional graphic designers. We were able to find someone who had access to those programs that we use and to be able to um, make sure that everything stayed consistent, not just from an English standpoint, but as well as a a Portuguese standpoint as well. So we would make the programs and our files and package them together to ensure that everything didn't change when the translation would occur. Because when it comes to um, the translations from English to Portuguese, a, a couple of sentences in English can turn into five to seven sentences 
rather than your your set of three and some of the words don't quite translate accurately in english to portuguese for example in vampire when a vampire decides to embrace or create another vampire the translation from portuguese roughly translates to hug so doesn't quite translate over correctly for that situation so we really depend on our portuguese translators to be able to make that distinction whereas someone like me who doesn't have a second language like that would be able to accurately understand or do that so we felt that that was incredibly important to make sure that we were consistent in that accessibility so that way our portuguese players were able to have the packets that we are so lucky to be able to have when there is a language barrier is there anything else you'd like to add about your role as coordinator when it comes to how we work we get a lot of we've gotten a lot of questions or i've gotten a lot of questions as to how our process works and how we make the packets the way that are made and because our coordinator positions we have some who are incumbents and then we have um coordinator positions that uh change pretty consistently always going to be questions about how the process works so for those who are not aware of how that process works if i haven't already talked to you as the coordinator. I'm sure any of our players who are listening or anyone who is interested in joining us would love to learn a little bit more about that process. So I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. So essentially it starts out with the coordinator reaching out to us saying, hey, I intend on making this packet. Where do I need to start? So typically what needs to happen is that the coordinator needs to work with their team to create that packet. So they start writing it out and we request that it is put into a Google Doc or some kind of document where we would be able to have access to it as a team to be able to go over it appropriately and to make any edits that would happen with that. So we get the the core, the origin file, and then we make a copy of it. So that way we have the original file in case something happens. And then we have the editing and proofing copy. So that way our proofreaders and our writers can go through it with the coordinator and their team to make any adjustments, add any commas or catch any misspellings, make any consistencies that need to be redone or, hey, you quoted this particular piece out of this particular section that's not quite correct. This is the reference that you want to use instead of this one. That can that can take anywhere from uh, a couple of days to a couple of months, depending on, frankly, the amount of pages that are in the packet versus how much time everyone has, because this is a volunteer position that we all work in. And we want to make sure that everyone is able to put in the amount of time that they're able to and stay on top of things at the same time. Once that process is completed, the coordinator that we're working with has approved everything for changes wise that we take. They take that edited copy and we create it into a PDF. And then they put it on the council if it needs to be propped for if there's any bylaw changes or any other major things that need to be brought forward so that people can vote on it through our, our council system and go over everything. After it has been passed or it's been objected to and we have more pieces that need to be changed, be that on team documents end or on the coordinator's end, make those adjustments, go through the whole process again, reprop, and once it passes, 
then it comes into either my hands or into Marion's hands and we start to make it pretty, so to speak. This process can also take a little bit of time as Marion and myself, we, we both work full time and we go through a lot of different pieces within the process to make sure that everything looks consistent, looks nice. We work with any of our artists that we have on our subcore team, like yourself, Cheryl, and Tom that we have, and add anything in. We come up with a mood board to make sure that everything is straight and they understand which kind of fonts that we recommend, color schemes, any other images that we might want to include. And we also ask our coordinators to include any images that they would like us to use, be that original art from any of their players or even photographs of players who are portraying their characters that we can use within the packet if it's a genre packet, for example. And after that, then it gets put onto the website because nothing else is changing. We're just making the packet look pretty. None of the content on the inside changes. Team Documents does have the authority to be able to make minor changes, mostly regarding the dark pack to ensure that everything stays on the up and up on a legal end of things. So that way, um, Paradox does not be like, no, 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 you can't use that. <laughs> right. Uh, again, um, for those, those who don't know, Dark Pack is the sort of the legal framework, uh, unofficial license or sort of sense, from, from yeah. Paradox that lets us use World of Darkness material for the org mm-hmm. without getting in legal trouble. Yeah, we don't want that. We want to we want to stay on the up and up with that end. And uh, they they like to change the they like to change the logo pretty consistently. So Marion and I stay our, do our best to stay on top of that as much as possible. We usually learn about that through Twitter, oddly enough. <laughs> and um, we are also able to just like make minor changes, like oh, there's a comma there, or someone forgot, someone added an extra a somewhere or something beyond that. I will say that as the org, since the pandemic has basically changed a huge amount of how the org works over these past couple of years, I have found that Discord has been an incredibly useful platform in order to be able to make team documents work as consistently as it can. For me, it comes down to access because like you can see everything so much easier and you can contact everybody without having to like friend them on Facebook or needing to have their email address. And Oh, oh, absolutely. mm -hmm. And being on team documents, you know, is when I took over as marketing coordinator, the first thing I did was set up a marketing team discord that we use for all of our planning. Yeah. It makes the, it it essentially makes uh, project management a million times easier so you can see everything you can set everything up off to the side you know who is on what team who's working on everything start voice chats if you need to set off private channels and everything which is what we do for our coordinators so that way we can keep everything in one spot and make things really easy what else gosh the programs that team documents uses outside of uh, google docs uh, is marion and i use the adobe products um, she and I have the full subscription for them. So we have a very wide access to a lot of different things that you would not have access to through a an unpaid program like Canva or GIMP or anything else that might be considered open source. Yeah, we pay a pretty penny, but I ultimately think it's worth it because the programs just make 
so much more sense and you don't have to have a special uh, a file reader in order to be able to use them. Oh, oh, absolutely. I have Creative Suite now, so... It's, it's been it's so, so helpful. It's so nice, especially with all the updates that they've done to it, especially in InDesign. Marion was working off of one of the older versions of InDesign, and I walked her through a couple of the newer pieces that uh, Adobe added to the creative suite, and she's like, oh... Oh, this makes everything so much easier. Like, for example, when we're designing, we are able to send a link to the coordinator and their team. So that way they can see some of the design process and highlight areas on where they would like something to be changed. Like, for example, if they want um, any of the positions uh, within a genre packet to be bold or to be italicized or to be in a special font or anything like that, we are able to see that and we can go and find it without having to ask them, hey, what page did you say that this one was on and what line? Because I'm having a hard time finding it. That's how we used to do it. Now that the Creative Suite has added that review feature has made everything so much smoother and a lot easier for us to be able to make things crank out a lot faster that way. I will say that uh, my previous job before the one that I am in currently has definitely assisted in being able to help me in my position. I was in printing and promotion as my first job outside of college after I got my bachelor's of fine arts in illustration and design. So I was working with prints. Um, I understand paper and the printing process very, very well, as well as um, the review process, which was part of the requirements in order for me to work as a graphic designer within the print shops that I was working through. Now I work more as a freelance for graphic design for Obi-Wan, as well as anyone else who requires that sort of assistance. I've done a couple of dabbles here and there for other things. Now uh, I have a fun job where I'm an administrator at a cemetery. So that's always fun. <laughs> that, is, that is an interesting job. Yep. Uh, that actually gives me a good segue into asking you to tell us a little bit about you as a person and who you play in the org. Well, as I said, I used to, I have a BFA in illustration and design. Before I changed my major into illustration and design, I was uh, going for animation. So, uh, and motion graphics. And uh, I, I had big dreams of working for DreamWorks because some of my favorite movies have come out of DreamWorks rather than Disney, like How to Train Your Dragon. For example, that's one of my favorite movies. Oh, yes. I was very interested in stop motion, claymation as well. So the classic movies that so many of us love very much, like uh, uh, Coraline and um, Wow, I am blanking on the Night, one that Night. Tim Burton did, and I cannot uh, remember the name of Nightmare it. Before Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Wow. That or Corpse Bride. Corpse Pride was pretty good. Frankenweenie as well. So that was one of the things that I originally wanted to do, but I ended up, I also really wanted to do drawing and art 
So 2D was a big draw for me as well. And when they opened up the illustration and design, I that's what I changed over to and what I have in now. Now I'm a graphic designer on my free time and an illustrator. Besides doing team documents and working as uh, administration for one of the uh, larger cemeteries in my local area. As for org history, oddly enough, today is would have been my first day playing in a LARP about eight years ago. It was my first game I played in uh, Kenosha Memento Mori. Uh, a couple of my friends um, that I had met through a guy that I, I dated uh, through college was like, hey, you want to try out this cool new thing that we're trying out? And I was like, mm, I don't know. What's this all about? And they're like, oh, it's about supernatural stuff. And like, it's spooky and creepy. And uh we pretend to be vampires. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll, there's no harm in trying. I'll try just about anything once just to see what it's all about. I played in their Camarilla game and I was really interested in exploring the idea of a Malkavian. She's dead now, but <laughs> that happens. It always happens. The character's story has to end at some point after all. And after that, I got interested in playing in the other genres that they had. My second genre that I started playing in outside of the Camarilla side of Vampire was Guru. I played in one of my local games in, that was a little bit closer to home because Kenosha was an hour and a half drive for me and they were playing in the middle of the week. So that was a bit of a tough one for me when I started at work at nine o'clock in the morning, especially when they went until midnight. But I went and played Guru for a little while and I played a Black Fury. They left the org, started a new org. I played in that for a little bit and then I moved back to Obi-Wan and I still have a Black Fury Aster that plays out of Iowa and I also have a Get of Fenris that any of my local uh, friends and gamers are very familiar with. Her name is Regina Godric. She is the, she's a mean girl and she's all about pink and everything else, which is basically the exact opposite of who I am as a person. So I find playing her very challenging, but also fun at the same time. Lastly, or no, I have I have two other ones. I, I mostly play in Gru and Vampire. On the Vampire side, I have an independent. Uh, she is the best way to describe her is like she's she's the homeless gremlin grandma that loves bugs and it's just like this creepy weird thing and just does not understand what emotion is she was dubbed the nickname by the locals of the dread queen killian <laughs> apparently she has a battleship named after her that was it's called the dread queen killian rather than ss sticky bottom from what i understand so <laughs> i'm just like oh my god guys you guys are ridiculous when i got told that so uh she's had a lot of really interesting adventures when i've had some cross genre with her and um people are just oh uh i've got a good story with that one she um i went to a cross genre game and I came across a fae that I believe the term, this, it's, it's an issue. And 
had he had heard people calling her the dread queen and everything like that so Dane he he was able to he gets stuff in order to be able to gain favors so he has to essentially make anyone who is considered royalty to like him so he came up to me we did our chops and he failed his keening he failed his keening chop so he thinks that this disgusting hobo grandma is some kind of royalty (laughs) and has to take her to on a date essentially so Killian is in good with clan Nosferatu so like she had a couple of Nosferatu around her and they were just like "Mm, mm, mm, you don't want to do with that so it was basically playing a game of tag hide and seek of cloak the Killian for like the rest of the night so like whenever the player would pop in, the player was very good about not uh, metagaming and everything like that. And he's like, where is she? And like, I've got like four levels of like mask and like obfuscate layered on top, on top of my own and my other stuff that I have on her. And we're just like, mm-mm, mm-mm. you got it this time? Yeah, we got it this time. Okay, now we're going to move. Oh crap, there he is again. <laughs> And you kind of just run away from him throughout most of the night. Uh, That was probably my favorite interaction with playing Killian outside of playing at our event, one of our event games at Blood and Ice. Someone was playing a ghoul and unfortunately this ghoul expressed a couple of things that required me to be very interested so I proceeded to chase said ghoul around the entirety of the uh, location and I'm just like come back come back I just I just want to talk to you we just need to talk I I I need to know what your insides look like I want to put your insides on the outside so we can have a conversation about this. (laughs) And like, I got intercepted a couple of times by a couple of people and they're like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I just need to have a conversation with that cool. Don't worry about it. And they're just like, and then I'd have someone come and I was like, just leave the dread queen alone to her business. Don't worry about it. I'm just like, you guys are giving me too much credit for what I'm going to be doing. (laughs) So I ran off. (laughs) I eventually got uh, I eventually I lost the the ghoul because someone uh, someone intercepted me again and uh, <laughs> they they were like oh hey I need to talk to you about something we got this dead thing over in the corner I'm like dead thing let's go look at it <laughs> oh that was a good time on the other end for my other vampire is is a sabat pc cheryl is uh fairly familiar with this pc oh yes she's quite made i've inadvertently made quite a name for her (laughs) over these past couple of years for essentially being a bitch i wasn't gonna say it (laughs) she is i know she is that's how she is but she gets shit done and nobody's gonna argue with her i don't think i am the one who plays archbishop renee rexana she is uh, the Archbishop of Madison, Wisconsin. She is a pack priest, and she is also the only female colonel amongst the ultra conservatives. Um, she is a very, very busy bee. I am in the process of taking care of two very large situations that happened like last week, and I just got my email and my Discord just like blown up. They're just like. Uh, the best way to describe it is outside of other situations that I've had to deal with her is kind of like what they do in Star Wars. Help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. 
I get a lot of that <laughs> on, on Renee for, yeah, she's very busy. I do a lot with her. She's probably what I would consider my main, so to speak. And alternatively as well, I am, I'm the one who portrays uh, the NPC um, on Guru's side for Team Worm known as Zizak. Uh, she is the she is the big bad she is the biggest baddie in that genre who is by the books supposed to kill their high king in Guru. Uh, all of this prophecy and everything like that I've done a couple of recordings for Team Worm and the uh, Changing Breeds chord for her um, I've been asked to physically portray her a couple of times I've done a TikTok or two for her and what else did I do for her? Did more video recordings for her. I was asked to do a live portrayal at, uh, it was Glitter and Gloom a couple of years ago. It was like right before the pandemic hit. And I thought I gotten all my things figured out and last, last minute things occurred and I was unable to attend due to finances. But, you know, we found uh, an understudy and from what I understand, she did a fantastic job. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away on my PCs, you know, because like we're playing vampire PCs and group PCs. Like we don't want to give our secrets away. Aster's just a jelly bean. (laughs) Aster's just that that black fairy is just a big fat jelly bean. She's a cinnamon bun. She just wants to help everybody. And uh, yeah, she's she's very close to Medusa, and like she just wants to help everybody's life. But why? Everything's terrible. Why can't we just be happy about things? I could give you a hug. Do you want a hug? I'm just like. have you become <laughs> it's so interesting how our pcs kind of just evolve with their stories and everything they do they they change so much mm-hmm. I, like my... I'll, I'll, I'll definitely put a little bit of background in on renee she was originally i was originally going to make her a loyalist <laughs> oh my god <laughs> When I first started playing her, I read through the status pack. I read through the status packet and the faction packet. And I'm just like loyalist. Yeah, fuck yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. And then plot happens, and then I became an ultracon, and I'm just like, what the fuck did I just do? Right. I mean, <laughs> I just that's... screwed over my own plans. <laughs> I mean, that happens. I was not mm-hmm. planning to take my character black hand. That was never on my plans. And then plot happened. Yep that's the exciting thing about the org you never know what's going to happen (laughs) all right so uh do you have any final comments you want to make before we wrap this up um hmm. i'm very excited to see how the rest of the uh podcast decides to go and i'm also very excited for all the packets that we're currently working on because holy guacamole we have quite a few don't we cheryl (laughs) we we do we We have have quite a a few (laughs) i've been doing a lot of poking for people i'm like hey How's it going? Gives yeah, me help. Cause What's we've going got what, one, two, nine in current projects. And I think just as many are listed in upcoming. Uh-huh. They're currently still, from what I understand, in the writing phase on the coordinators. So they're, they're chugging along like they always do. They're doing everything that they can to get everything done and set to go. And uh, the most recent one that currently passed that I'm working on, I am working on one of the CAM packets, the status packet, and uh, as well as the society's packets. I know that we're also uh, in the process of doing some edits 
for improving for a gangrel packet. And that one is a beefy boy. A beefy, beefy boy. It's like oh, gangrel. My... They have so much stuff. I mean, like... There's there's a lot of history within team within clan gangrel. There's a lot of back and forth because from what I understand, there's a lot of um, it's a lot of oral history. So a lot of stuff doesn't get written down, and they haven't had a new packet in a while. So I'm sure any of our gangrel players are going to be very excited to know that that will be coming to them very soon, as we're currently in the proofing process of that just to give you guys an idea as to how just how beefy of this packet is because the current gang world coordinator and his team have been very very thorough they spent many many months on this because i used to um i used to live with one of their subcords it's uh without any prettiness or anything like that we are looking at approximately let me see here we're looking at currently 54 pages worth wow. of contents yeah. for team for our gangrel players to be able to absorb and use to whatever they so wish to desire for that and i'm sure storytellers would be very excited to be like oh my gosh my gangrel yeah, packet we haven't had one of these since the early two since like oh gosh i think it was 2011 that's the last time right. that they got one i can even check uh because Marion and I had to go through all of the packets to make sure that the dark pack was updated. So I'm gonna just take a really quick peek here in my files and see what I got in here. That's my portfolio from, okay. Okay. Packets from 4-2001. Let's see, that's a lot of changing breeds. Gangrel, 2017. So it's been a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but this one is also very sparse. The current packet is very it sparse. It is. I, I have a gangrel that I haven't played in the, since before the pandemic because mm -hmm. she's not a character that works online. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it was a very sparse packet. Mm -hmm. I, so 54 pages is one of the bigger packets we've worked on. I, I'm, pretty oh, yeah. sure the, I, I'm pretty sure the demon packet is still the biggest. Yes, absolutely. The the demon that's, the fallen packet was absolutely that's a largest a one. Gosh, I think that one was nearing the nearing 100 pages. I think it it was. Oh, I it was haven't looked. Lot. I haven't looked at the formatted. I know when it was the Google Docs, it was well over 100 pages because I had like 60 pages on my own to edit. Yeah, that so was uh, Marion. Mm -hmm. yeah, that was our first big project. That was our very first project for team documents. Marion did the graphic design and we had at least, oh, I, I want to say at least five or six proofreaders and each of them had 20 to 30 pages a piece and yeah. they did, we did several comb overs to make sure that everything was as it was, clean it was as lot. possible. It was a very large packet. So Seconds to, to the- all, To all the credits to the demon coordinator, he did an amazing job he and did. we didn't have to change a whole lot yeah it was a lot of just cleaning up little things making sure things mm -hmm. were consistent he did an mm -hmm. amazing job 
I think our, I think in the second largest packet that we did was, um, I did the graphic design work for that one. And that was the Tremere Arcane Compendium for all of their hermetic thaumaturgy and everything. Oh yeah. I, and it's mad is blood magic. That's always a lot. Uh, yeah. That's always a lot. And like, I wanted to make that packet as like easy to navigate as possible so like I did so many hyperlinks to be able to find things in the tables that I did for it so that way um people didn't have to go searching for it's like oh I need this particular ritual and it's in the packet and I don't know where the packet is so I'm going to see if I can find it oh wait there's a hyperlink and I can just click on it it'll take me straight to the page oh I know, like, I heard from a couple of my friends who play Tremere, they were just like, that was a goddamn lifesaver that you put those hyperlinks in there because it made everything so much easier to find. The folks who, like, basically haven't been playing Tremere for, like, nearly a decade haven't, like, already memorized all the stuff that they can do with those particular abilities and everything. So that was a big packet, and I'm just glad we got it done, and it looks good. (laughs) Yeah. It, and it does look really good. Yeah, I I think that's really about as much as I got really outside of um, basically just kind of just shooting the shit. Like, <laughs> I, I'm excited to see what this turns out to be. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. And uh, I'm going to give a major shout out to my team because we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to make the packets that we do without everyone who is on the team. No, and we're, everyone's we're a- we're everyone's an important piece everyone is a very important piece to the team and um i wouldn't be able to do it without you guys and i really do appreciate the time that yourself and everyone else on the team puts into it because i know this is a volunteer thing we don't get paid to do this Um, we do it out of love for the organization and for the game and like it's I I can't express my appreciation enough that how much time goes into these packets that I really want people to understand just how much work goes into these to make them as fantastic as they come out to be. And we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't work together. Yeah. And I mean, that's a big driver as to why we're doing these interview podcasts is so that everyone can see how this stuff all comes together. Mm-hmm. because I think uh, players who don't ST or don't interact a lot with the coordinators or aren't coordinators don't see all the behind the scenes stuff and how much work goes into the org. And I think it's important for everyone to know uh, just how much the, the volunteer people, um, the coordinators, the STs, everyone puts into making this happen. Mm-hmm. We are a well-oiled machine, or at least we try to be. <laughs> we try to be. Sometimes, yes. sometimes there are hiccups. But, you know, that's that's part of the dealio um, that's going to happen. And the important thing is, is that we, we discover the problem and we find a solution rather than sitting on it and whining or complaining about it. It's like, oh man, this is hard. I don't want to do this no more uh why am I doing this is like because you love it that's why that's why we keep coming back (laughs) like we 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 wouldn't do this if we didn't love it Mm -hmm. because it's it's a lot of time that we put in Mm -hmm. 
All right, I'm going to thank you so much for coming and doing the interview for us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm honored to have been uh, the first one selected and to be the guinea pig. You are. <laughs> and we'll um, have a great time with it. Yeah, I, I reached out to a lot of the coordinators. You were the first one who had to, uh, a time to do it. Oh, good. So we have a couple other people. I think we're doing the historian next. Nice. <laughs> look forward or, or to hearing that. Or archivist. One or the other. They're the two mm -hmm. that are uh, archivist. Hold on. Yeah. Ah, uh, good old Brad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm sure Brad will have a lot of insightful things to tell us. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. I talk to Brad <laughs> fairly often. So, yeah. All um, right. Thank you so much. Um, and I don't know how we're going to end this other than uh, like you've already gonna, got the auto for it yeah, i'm <laughs> just gonna say goodbye to everyone and uh then we will roll the sort of end credits that we already have recorded yes all right, all right. goodbye one interview by night is presented by one world by night produced under the dark pack agreement paradox interactive portions of the presented material are the copyrights and trademarks of paradox interactive ab and are used with permission all rights reserved for more information, please visit worldofdarkness.com. This material is not official World of Darkness material and is intended solely for use by One World by Night.